everybody situated here, so getting all the young people to their classes as well. Good to see everyone. Bye, hon. <laughs> Good to see everyone that's made it out today. And we're going to be uh, taking our Bibles and we'll start off in Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. This morning as we turn there, I remember something that was said to me a long time ago, and uh, something that I guess I had allowed to slip in my own conversation, is we a lot of times, because of the book, we will say the book of Revelations, meaning that it's plural. <clears throat> but there's really a singular revelation. In other words, one thing that God has revealed, it's got multiple facets, but the reality is, is God has shown us one thing. And uh, we're going to be looking at 10 verses today, verse 1 through 10. I do have notes on the back if you've not received those notes. And notice what it says. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw the beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns uh, ten crowns, and upon his heads were the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat, and great subtle uh, authority. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which uh, gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, or who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things, and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwelt in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwelt upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hath an ear, let him hear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience of the faith of the saints. Let us pray. Again, Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that you uh, have given us today. And I pray that, Father, that you will help us to understand the things that are given to us. We do understand, Lord, that there are things that are given to us for our understanding, things that will take us a moment to research and to see exactly what needs to be going on, and Lord, that you will continue to bless and help us to uh, comprehend the things that you give us. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful in all things. Help us, Father, to walk before you in all things. Help us to be faithful in our studies and all that we do. Now we pray, Father, that you will bless this study today, that you will guide us and lead us, and help us in all things, and we may rejoice in your name. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. So we're going to start with the uh, little chart that's on the back here, and I want to show you something that is very important for us to take a look at. First of all, I'd like for us to go back uh, to Romans, uh, and we're going to go to chapter 11. We kind of looked at this or referred to it last week. But I want to make sure that we have a good understanding of the book of Romans, chapter 11. And we're going to go down to verse 25. 
Romans 11, verse 25. And notice again that we have here the statement of the Apostle Paul as it's made mention of Israel. Now again, uh, I, I want you to understand something here. Something that we find in typology. Now I don't like allegory or the term allegory as much as I like type. We saw that type that we saw in Revelation chapter 12 where we see the, the beast, the dragon, as it's being ripped out of heaven. And uh, again, the allegory that is there. And that he was waiting to consume the child that would be given unto the sun, the moon, and the twelve stars, meaning Jesus Christ. But a lot of people like to use that term allegory. I rather use the word type. The reason is, anytime you see the word type, it ought to be something that we understand as well. Well, in verse uh, 11, or chapter 11, verse 25 of the book of Romans, it says this, And I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your, your own conceits, that blindness is in part, or uh, uh, blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now, I want you to understand this. Uh, there's a lot of people that they hate Israel. I don't know why. I want to be careful in Christendom because when we start seeing people speak out against uh, the, the Jewish people as a whole, and understand, not every Jew that has ever been born is pure. Not every, uh, you know, I, I'll admit this. When I was a younger child, I thought all grandparents or all older grandpeople were basically Christians. And then I heard someone curse me up one side down the other. That changed my opinion right away. But the reality is, is not everyone that is Jewish is going to follow after the things of God. Many years ago, when I lived in, um, when I lived in California, I had to go to a courthouse, and there was a, a Jewish man that I got to know very well. And I said, well, are you a kosher Jew? And he goes, far from it. He said, in fact, we're having pork chops tonight for dinner. And uh, something that is really out of the Jewish diet as well. But the reality is, is that there are those people that they've held on to the Jewish faith, and that they are of Israel. And they know they're of Israel. Once again, I want to present to you that I knew a man, his name was Paul, and uh, he was a pilot for one of the companies that I worked with, and uh, he told me he was Jewish. And I made, the, I made the error in telling him that in it is sad that you don't know which tribe you're from. He goes, oh no, I know exactly which tribe I'm from. He said, I'm a Benjamite. And then it occurred to me, why would you have a name like Saul or Paul unless you were truly a Benjamite person? And uh, he kind of let me know right then and there that every, every Jewish person of a true Jewish line knows exactly what tribe they've come from. So it doesn't surprise me that what we find, beginning in the book of Revelation, that there is 12,000 out of each tribe of the children of Israel. That's what Revelation opens up to. So when you find after you have the, uh, the calling of the church out, that you have, the, have Jesus Christ coming and breaking open the seals, and again, because we see this as futuristic, that there is a call of 144,000 preachers of the Jewish faith because they have been saved over into the grace that they follow after Jesus Christ. But I want you to also see something, and this is very important for every one of us. They go forth primarily preaching to the Jewish people. 
and it's going to cost them their lives. We're going to get that over in uh, chapter 14 a little bit later when we see them as they stand before the throne of God. But I want you to go back to chapter 13, and I want you to see something that's very important for me. In verse 1 it says, And I, stand, I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now let's stop there for a moment. Whenever we see the sand of the sea, we have to ask, what does that mean? Let's turn our Bibles back to the book of Genesis, chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And once again, this is a promise that is given over to Abraham. Well, I said chapter 25. I should say 20, 22. Excuse me just for a moment. So let's go to Genesis chapter 22, not 25. And once again, we find that there is an application that is given in regards to the blessing that has been given to Abraham. Let's go down to verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and he said, By myself have I sworn. Now whenever that angel is there, and, and we see that that swearing occurs, that's the theophany of Christ that is speaking out. The angel is not going to swear by itself. But the Lord Jesus Christ is always going to swear to himself because there's no higher authority. And he, say, uh, uh, and he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars in the heaven, and the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, I want you to think about this. Two distinct opportunities. Number one, the stars in the heaven, I believe, are a reflection of all I believe that all the sea are all So, how do I know In verse 18 it says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, there is no doubt, I don't know how many of you know this, but there's been more Nobel Peace Prizes for medicine and everything else given to the Jewish people than any other group of people upon the earth. That's the only ones that have ever received the Nobel Prize for science and things of this nature. So they have been a blessing to all the world. But this is speaking specifically of the salvation that's going to come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through Judah, which we're going to see a little bit later in the fulfillment of Scripture. And we're going to see the understanding that is there as well. So once again... The nation shall be blessed because the Redeemer is going to come through Israel. And anyone who wants to argue that the Redeemer has not come through Israel don't know the Scripture. We do not serve a, and, and told this to a group of men one time when I was preaching to the homeless at Pacific Garden Missions many years ago. I said, I want you to understand something. We do not serve a white God. We do not serve a black God. I said, if you want to really know the nationality that Jesus came, he was Jewish. But we don't even serve a Jewish God. We serve God on high. He came through the Jewish womb, you know, that being Mary the Virgin. But understand this, is that everything had to be fulfilled according to Scripture as we see it here. I serve the one true God, and God saw fit to bring him to the Jewish people. Now understand this as well. So when we see the word sand of the sea, 
I believe that is in reference to the, the children of Israel. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 13, and let's look at verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Standing on the sand. I don't know how many of you all remember this, but this goes all the way back to the days of Bill Clinton when he was president. He walked upon Omaha Beach, and he found some stones, and he made up a little monument or whatever there from the, uh, the beach. I want you to know something. There are no stones on Omaha Beach. That was all, that was all a Hollywood portrayal, if you will. There are no stones on, on Omaha Beach. Those had to be placed there. The Omaha Beach is very sandy. But at the same time, it left a, an indelible mark upon our minds that we were honoring, during his presidency, all those who gave their lives on Omaha Beach so that we could have the freedom that we enjoy today. But even more so, here's a man that's getting ready to make a mockery. Now, a lot of times people might say, well, Bill Clinton made a mockery on the Omaha Beach. I'm not even going to go there. But may I say this to you, this man is literally walking upon the seashore, he's walking upon it, and he's looking at all Remember this, is that we know that we believe that the Russians are going to take, or Gog and Magog, are going to sweep down and they're going to make their attack upon Israel. And at that very moment, they are going to be, they are going to literally uh, see the turning away of that, of that great force, that military force that flies in the air and all the armies and all the tanks. And it's going to take about seven months, we're going to get into that a little bit later, about seven months for them to bury just the dead. But may I point this out to you? At this moment, here is someone who's coming to this singular location as God. He's not coming as a president. He's not coming as a free world. He's coming as a, quote-unquote, little G, God. And as he comes upon this land, he is looking at all the things that Israel's enduring. And he notices that again, that he is no longer referred to as Antichrist, but he's now referred to as beast. Look at verse 1 again. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Once again, and, and it's so interesting to me that we begin to see a little bit more of this individual as he comes into full focus for us to take a look at. So if you will, go ahead and take a look at the next slide there, Brother Joe, if I do have that one up there. And let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Hold your place here. Now, notice that again, I want you to see this is the timeline that we're referring to. Once again, you'll notice that I have, from the very beginning, I, I have the continuation and this is the beginning of the tribulation. One of the first things that everybody wants to trip upon, uh, you know, the time frames. Well, how long is the how long is the uh, the time that the Lord's going to spend? Well, we know it's going to be a thousand years. Well, you got a thousand seven years. No, the tribulation is the preparing of the earth. It's not the earth in itself in its countdown. Could it be a part of the six thousand years? Very much so. But we do know this, is that it, according to the scripture, there are seven years of tribulation that is determined. Three and a half years basically is enduring the, the hardships, the peace. And then the last three and a half years is when it really comes into full scope. Notice again, is that during this tribulation period of time, and I've really expanded this tribulation period of time. Notice again that at the midpoint, 
of the three and a half years, we find all of the things that are happening right now. But it is at the end of the seven years of tribulation that Jesus returns physically to the earth. One of the things that a lot of people like to point out is that they're saying is, well, either Jesus returns or he doesn't. No, come on. The word rapture, as we utilize it, is an understandable word in which the Lord appears in the clouds and he calls us up to meet him. He does not First Thessalonians chapter 4 is very clear on that, that he comes to, out of the clouds, he comes to the appearance, and he calls us up to meet him. Once he is called up to meet him, all of these things happen pretty quickly. All of these things happen. I mean, if you ever watched the movie, there was a movie that came out many years ago called The Tribulation, or the Left Behind movie. And there they had Russia attacking and, and all these other things. They were a mixture. Well, I don't have a problem with that because we don't know what ha happens first. We don't know, is the Lord going to return and then Russia attacks? Is Russia going to attack before that happens? All we know according to the Bible. Now, the reality is, is the more we understand that these are going to happen from the Bible's perspective, the better off we're going to be. So it says in Daniel chapter 7, we want to go over there for a moment, and we're going to go down to verse 23. Once again, notice that we have the fourth beast that is now referred to, and I believe that this name beast is a reflection that is now given from Antichrist to his title. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. Now, I am a firm believer that during the time of the Antichrist, when he comes to this earth, the Roman Catholic Church is well guarded. We, we think because we see so much here in America and the pacifism that goes on that we don't really have a good grasp of all the meaning. I'm going to share something with you, and I'm, and I'm sure he'll back this up as well. Uh, most of us here know Brother Troy McGate. <clears throat> well, many years ago, uh, Troy was getting into an argument with another Roman Catholic priest. And as Troy was getting in the argument... He said, you're wrong. You're, this can't be done according to the Scripture. According to the scripture. And Troy was constantly always battling him according to the Scripture. And finally that priest said, I can't wait for us to be back in power again that we might destroy the Baptists like you. Now that's, that was literally from one priest that was going to attack one fellow believer. Now here's the thing. What we see in America, and, and if you go back and we, we really study it, we understood just how powerful the Roman Catholics were. We go back and, if, for those of us that are old enough, and most of us were just children uh, that are in the congregation here, we remember that when President Kennedy came in, the biggest uh, concern we had, or the biggest argument that occurred, was that he was Roman Catholic. And everyone was so afraid of him being elected as president that it would open the door to allow the Roman Catholics to come in. But this may shock you. Do you know who was the first president that invited the Roman Catholic Pope to come in and have a seat in the White House? His name was Ronald Reagan. 
surprised? Do you know that John F. Kennedy actually withstood the Catholic patent, the Pope? because he said, I can't allow these things to occur. I would highly recommend several books to you, but uh, we're, because of time, we're not going to go into those right now. But one of those books is 50 Years in the Catholic Church by Chinaquee, and this was written in the 1800s. This was before uh, Abraham Lincoln was put to death as well. So when we take a look at this over here in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, we see now that this man is now, instead of referred to as Antichrist, he takes on the full image of the beast. He has the support of this religion behind him. And so he comes out of this religion. We're going to get into that a little bit later, if uh, time permits today. We're going to see that occur, but he is also on the tail end of the coming. So let me show this to you again. In verse 1 it says, And, he, and I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw uh, a beast, one that rose up, this is a beast, rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his head ten crowns, and upon his head is the name of blasphemy. Now once again, this is all part of the Roman Catholic Church. How do I know that? Let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel chapter 9, we can see the same thing as we uh, are taking a look at this as well. Daniel chapter 9, let's go down to verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of the people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the mountain of my God, once again, he was not praying about the vision being revealed to him, but he was praying for the good of the congregation. Look what else he says. In verse 21, Yea, while I was yet speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, which is an angel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of my evening oblation. Once again, this is about the time of his prayer in Daniel chapter 25, or Daniel 9, verse 21, verse 22. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I am now understanding. Now this, this is pretty important. Daniel was not seeking an understanding, but he was, and he was actually praying for Israel as he would open up the window and pray uh, three times a day. But it was in the midst of these prayers that we see Gabriel is dispatched to give him a better understanding of things to come. Verse 23, At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. And upon thy hope to finish the transgression and make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecies and to anoint the Most High. Now again, this is 70 weeks. There are a lot of people that they want to turn around and they would say 70 weeks have already happened. My problem that I have with that is that it doesn't match the rest of Scripture. There is such a uniformity and such a flow in Scripture that it doesn't take a lot of rocket science or voodoo or anything else to make it happen. A lot of times people want to focus on Matthew chapter 24. And may I point this out to you? Matthew 24 was an answer to the questions, not the chronological order of things to come.
It was a question that was asked by the apostles to know a little bit more about the coming of the Lord and the reestablishing of Israel. Let's go on down to verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and the streets shall be built again and the wall even in turbulent times. Do you know that it took exactly 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem? How many of y'all knew that? It took exactly 49 years to rebuild it exactly as we see that. Seven times seven is 49 years. Now a lot of times people might say, well, you're just bringing numbers out in the open. May I point this out to you that this is all in regard to an understanding of Jacob's trouble. We're going to get into that in just a moment here. Now look at verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Meaning that Messiah shall come, he shall die, and that's for me in the story. Not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and upon the end of war desolations are determined. Now, once again, Israel was destroyed in 69 A.D., as we know it, okay? Now, in 69 A.D., already we see Messiah is cut off. There's a scattering. The Gentile people are starting to uh, believe more and more in Jesus Christ. The churches have got started off in Jerusalem, and now multiple churches are going throughout all of the Gentile nations, including Rome, Asia Minor, and beyond. But watch this. In verse 27 it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Again, I'm going to point out something to you. That one week we're waiting for. That's the area that every one of us needs to understand. There is still one week left. I do not believe that that week has started. Now anyone that wants to believe that that, that has started have a problem with explaining away the tribulation. And that's why there are so many people that want to say allegory. They want to say these are types, these are pictures, these have already happened. My question is, when did it happen and what evidence do you have that this happened? Don't come out of hocus pocus. Do you notice that one of the things that I pointed out to you was the seven churches represented seven times of dispensation. And one of those areas shows all of the, you know, everyone that comes through, we can see all the rise and the fall of Christianity as we know it. We are living in a time right now where Christianity is not respected in any fashion or form. I mean, yes, in this area, for the most part, people do have a respect for Christianity. But the reality is, is that instead of there being a hungering for the things of God like there used to be, there is a sort of a placid mentality, a plaque, if you will, it's more of a, a plaid mentality. Uh, okay, I'll be hot for God today and I won't be hot for God tomorrow. It's never going to be a hot and cold. It's either purposed or it's not. But once again, in verse 27, that one week is still out there. And he shall confirm the covenant with many. Now who is he going to confirm? Who is the many? It doesn't say with all of Israel, but with many of Israel. Now, I've heard so many people, and, and, I, and I hate to say this, but there used to be that Facebook was 
a place for us to enjoy a social atmosphere. How many of y'all remember that? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Anymore, it's a battleground. And, I, and frankly, I, I don't have time for it. I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it. And I utilize that means, that message, that platform, to get the message of this church across, to do a daily devotion. But again, I'm not trying to get on anybody's you know, barbecue lawn, if you will. I'm not trying to hurt their feelings. I only am writing what I see and what I understand. And I've had a lot of people say, criticize me and say, well, you're not willing to sit down and study with me. Well, I don't mind studying with other people, but if you turn around and make it into a debate, we're done. If you set, if you set platforms, if you say, well, we have to agree on I had a man one time one that, that I had studied with, and he said, we have to agree. I said, what do you mean we have to agree? Well, we, we want to agree on one particular area. I said, I agree that this is God's word. I said, but when it comes to study, we have to spend our time. And we spent two or three weeks trying to define the word shortly. And I said, that's not doing anybody any good. I said, when we are trying to define the word shortly, what we're saying is, is that my definition is that when these things happen, it's going to happen quickly. Your definition is it ha it's already happened already. That does not follow after Scripture. In other words, what you're saying is, this is already past. Well, the promise is that Jesus is coming again. And if you really want to get it down to people who do not believe like what we believe, they will tell you it's impossible. I even had the same man tell me, I cannot grab the idea that you have that heaven and earth will pass away because of all the great writings that other men have done. I said, what great writings? That same group of people turned around and said, are you smarter than John Gill? I said, when it comes to eschatology, yes. And they thought, I mean, they started renting their clothes and everything else. I said, you're following John Gill. You're not following God's word. You know, let's be honest with let's Let's really be honest with ourselves and with other people that are around us. God's word to beat my flesh daily. So does that mean I have to beat my wife daily? You wouldn't disagree with that, don't you, sister? All right, you disagree with that, don't you, Jamie? The reality is, is that I bring myself into subjection. That's the difference. I can find everything under the sun to match my prejudice when it comes to the Word of God. It takes a great responsibility and it takes even a greater mentality to say, Lord, let me understand the things that you've given. I still But remember this. 
the reality is that this is just a snapshot of what's going to happen in the future. Why do I say that? Because Daniel was not looking for the Lord's return. He was looking for the Lord's coming. Now think about that for a moment. Why did Adam and Eve think that Cain was their redeemer? Because they were looking for the Lord's coming. Why do we see all these other masterful things written in the Old Testament? Because there was the look for the Lord's coming. Why did Simeon wait at the temple door for Jesus Christ to come in? Because he was looking for the coming Messiah. Why was the woman at the well given permission to hear the message from Jesus Christ himself to say, this is Messiah. I am the one that you're waiting for. I that speak unto thee am he. So don't tell me that all of this is measured together. The reality is there's still one week left. And look what it says. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week shall he cause the, cause the sacrifices and the oblation to cease. And for the overspread of the abominations he shall make it desolate, even to the consummation, and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That is coming to pass. That has not happened yet. How do I know that? Because even Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 referred to it. Now, once again, everybody loves to say, well, where do you get off with this seven years? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30. And I'm going to go down to verses 6 through 8. Jeremiah chapter 30. We're going to go down to verse 6. And let's see what it says. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Whether do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all the faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for the day is great, so in that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day. If you don't have the word that day underlined, you should have it underlined. Saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break the yoke from off his neck, and I will burst thy bonds, and thy strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. That Jacob's trouble, remember this. Jacob desired everything from Rachel. He wanted her. And so he said, give me one week with Rachel. One week. And I will give you seven He entered into the bridal chamber, and guess what? There was Leah. So what did we find then? And that's where the trouble began. If you really want to have trouble, have multiple marriages and let those be sisters. Well, then Jacob then turned around and he went to uh, Laban and said, What have you done? He goes, Oh, well, you know, it's, in our country it's not right that uh, a man should have his uh, oldest daughter wait for the second daughter after the marriage. So you fulfill the week with uh, her, and then I will give you Rachel. So immediately we see that, that Jacob had two wives, and that he had Leah, and he had Rachel, and then he had two concubines, Deborah, and the other one was, uh, uh, oh, it starts with a B, but anyway, never mind, I can't remember her name right now. The reality is, that's why we can turn around and say that there is a week for a year. 
Now, let's go back to Revelation. I've confused everybody enough as it is, so let's just see if we can go in. The reality is, is that in this period of time, and I've got more notes that we can look at here in a little bit, one of the things we want to look at is, now, why is this one called the beast instead of the Antichrist? He's called the beast because he's being exposed for what he really intends to do. Now, I had someone the other day point out to me about artificial intelligence. Now, I've worked with computers for many years in my life. In fact, the first time that I worked with computers was when I was in the Air Force. And really, I, I'm not kidding you when I say this building would not handle all the computer technology that I worked with. This would not handle it. Uh, it had gears and servos and everything else. I mean, every time that we operated, you heard a gear clang or a servo clang. We had to pull out those racks and we had to run the, the amplifiers test and everything else. I remember that to this day. And we literally troubleshot till we were blue in the face. But later on, I went into digital computers. Now, this may surprise you. I have a bad finger right here, the middle finger, and the reason is when we finally got rid of that computer, I put my hand on it and it slammed that computer against my finger on the forklift. That computer weighed one and a half tons. So it had a whopping 4K, K, thousand bits of memory. So the drum that we had had all the information stored on it and it kept bombarding the memory we call the core memory and you can if you walk by it, you heard that click, 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 as the core samples were constantly being changed reality is I learned a lot about technology at that moment well imagine this that years later I worked for a little company called Eastman Kodak anyone ever heard of them they no longer in existence Eastman Kodak, I worked with a man, he goes, I'm teaching my kids about a laptop computer. A what? He said, yeah, a little tiny computer that I just bought. It's called the Timex Sinclair. Worked off basic programming. And literally, it was a little tiny box that hooked up to the TV, and that's what he utilized for his technology. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember Atari and ping pong? Beep, pong, beep. Guess what? It was based on Timex Sinclair. It really was. But then, as time permitted, then they came the Commodores. Commodore 64, Commodore 132. How many of us remember, or 138 or 128? I can't remember what it was. And they just kept coming out with more technology, more technology. And the reason that we changed out that computer that I had was because drum technology was nearly gone. And we replaced this one and a half ton computer for a simple one cabinet computer called the Zionix X7. It was an emulator. Better and better than the last one we had. Now, I kept thinking about all of this. And pretty soon, everything got smaller and smaller. And in my lifetime, I've watched as we went from a major power source to something simple. I'm lost without my computer. 
I really am. I like writing. I like doing a lot of research. I like to do a lot of things, and I'm lost without my computer. But may I point this out to you? Computers are going to catch up with us. I've had a lot of people say, well, what about AI, artificial intelligence? Do you realize that many years ago, everybody misinterpreted chapter 13, verse 1, with the beast because there was a computer in Belgium called the beast. And every time I read that, I thought, that doesn't make sense. That's a man, not a machine. The machine comes down a little bit later. And we're going to get into that. And so as we take a look at the scripture, I want us to realize that we're just taking a look at the rise of the beast, not the beast himself. All right, we're going to pick up from there next week, Lord's willing. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. So, Father, again, thank you for your blessings. Help us now to be faithful unto you in all things, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. We're dismissed.